0: As you can see, the title is Baggage, and we're going to focus on some of the things that we carry around in life that can be destructive to us in life uh, as well. And so uh, if you remember, our four resolutions we talked about last week, one of them was to, to help those disheartened by life. And that's our focus for the next four weeks, and this is a great opportunity for you to bring somebody along that has struggled in some area that carries some baggage in their life, and so we'd uh, in, invite you to, to do that over the next three weeks. We had a good time uh, yesterday, the men of the church, we went out uh, fishing, or at least throwing our, our bait into the water. Um, there was a couple things that, that we brought in, and I thought we better highlight and show you pictures of them so that you understand they're true and it's not just a fish story. So this was a, a, a real fish that was brought in by our own Andrew. Very proud of you, Andrew. Very, very proud of you. Um, strong arms to hold such a large fish. Um, there, was, there was one more caught uh, that day, too, that we wanted to make sure you saw. And, and that's, that was really the winning the winning fish yesterday, and uh, I very humbly would like to accept the award for best fisherman, uh, or at least the best photo editor uh, that is in the church. So anyhow, that was my baggage I carried around yesterday. You've all been to the airport, right? You've taken a flight or you've taken a trip and you've had to pack your bags, right? You've had to carry your bags. Or you've had to go load the car and you've carried out your bags and then you get going on vacation and you're like, why did I bring all this stuff in the first place? Um, Baggage. You understand what we're talking about when we talk about carrying baggage around. One time I had a flight back home um, from Chicago, actually, uh, back to Arizona. And it was the only time I have ever, like, packed everything away uh, in the, the, not the carry-on, but, you know, like, where they stow it in the plane for you. And the only thing I carried on the plane with me was my phone. And it was, actually wasn't even a phone at the time. It was just an iPod video. It had, I could watch videos and play music on it. And that was all I had. And can I just tell you, it's one of the most liberating, freedom-filled days of my life. Getting on a plane, walking through the airport with just... Just this. No bags, nothing to to have to to carry or keep up with. Um, I did have to go scramble and find my baggage, or not my baggage, but my boarding ticket, but I had this. That was all I had. Now, I did find when I got on the plane, I couldn't figure out where to put it in my pocket and be comfortable once I got there because I didn't have a bag to put it in, so that was an issue. Just this carrying. How liberating it is at times in our life to not have baggage, Right to not carry baggage around, not to have our hands full like this. I know that because yesterday, Patrick, who made us lunch at the lake, I think he brought everything from his camping supply that he's packed up in the last 15 years to cook lunch for us, and somehow I, I became the person to carry it with him. That was a lot of baggage that we carried around, but it was very good, Patrick. Thank you for that. Um, so, and I'd gladly unload that if you would like to come cook at my house, uh, as well. Would be fine. Baggage. We understand what it's like to carry baggage. To carry our bags is not fun, but when we talk about literally carrying baggage in our life, emotional baggage, hurt, things like that, over and over and over, year after year that becomes a real problem in our life. And that's what we're going to focus on for the next several weeks. And we're going to start off this week talking about the baggage of guilt. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say guilt? Yeah, you know. When we say guilt, that thing we carry around where we still feel bad about that thing. Or we think, I I wronged or I I did terribly, and I've never been able to move past this thing. Here's a, a verse I want to highlight for you this morning, and probably throughout this whole series, it's in your notes this morning. In fact, if you got in here and you didn't get a, a set of sermon notes and you want to follow along, if you, uh, you want to slip up your hand, Richard will bring one to you, and uh, you can have one to walk through. The verse is this. It comes from Proverbs 4.23. Keep vigilant keep watch over your heart. That's where life starts. The things that are most precious to you, you got to keep a watch over those things because what happens? They touch your heart, those type of things. They have a significant place in your heart. You can walk around your house this afternoon and you can tell what has a significant place in your heart. Just have one of your kids or your wife or someone walk around with you and with a trash can and pitch anything. Just throw it away. And how you react and how you respond to what they're about to throw away, that'll tell you right away where your heart is and what hits and touches your heart. And when it comes to this issue of baggage, for some reason, these things of our past, these things we've dealt with that we carry on, they still affect our heart in a deep, real way. And and they puncture us day after day after day. And maybe no place more so than this issue of Guilt now I want to jump right into it, and in this I want to progressively walk through these points with you this morning now you 're going to notice in here there are some additional passages for you to go and to work through on your own. You can look up, you can talk with your family, your spouse about them, your own devotion time. but let me just walk through what I have here a progression of this issue of guilt as it 's laid out in god 's word here 's the first thing it 's kind of a definition and number one guilt 's the result of having done something we perceive as wrong i mean it's just kind of a standard overall definition it's when we perceive we've done something wrong we feel bad or we we often feel bad right and we have this guilt that goes along with it. Now, we say perceived as bad because it's interesting in the issue of guilt that sometimes, many times, maybe more times than not, we literally have done something that we know we probably shouldn't have, do, have done. We pushed the edge a little bit in an area or we, we told a little half-truth here or we took something that we know maybe didn't perfectly belong to us or we decided on a form we were filling out to not check a certain box or we did check a certain box for our benefit And we just walk through all kinds of things like that. Things that we know we did were wrong and we go back and we have some guilt. I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong of me to do. But it also, it's interesting in this issue of guilt that there's sometimes where it's something that we perceive as wrong. Where we actually didn't do anything wrong in the situation. In fact, we might have done the exact right thing, but because of how someone else responded or because of how the situation might have played out after we had done that thing, We have guilt because, man, conflict came or trouble came from that. And so it's something that we perceive as doing wrong. If I could look back right now on my life, what is it I would say I would do that totally different? Often, if we can say something like that, we have guilt attached to it as well. And this is interesting baggage because we seem to carry this baggage around day after day and often It's the most private baggage we carry around. We don't want to keep saying it day after day because somebody near us, what are they going to say? Dude, get over it. All right? I'm tired of hearing this story. So we start to close up and we don't share it verbally, but guess what? It hasn't gone away. It's still there and we're dealing with the guilt of that. Here's a biblical understanding of guilt. I want to share just three passages and you'll see this progression in these verses. First is from Exodus 34, 7, and the overarching idea here is that guilt or wrongdoing, I should say, won't go unpunished. We find that in God's Word. He says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. This is God talking here. I forgive iniquity and rebellion and sin. These are all good things coming from our God that He will bring forgiveness for us. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected. What do we learn by God's word there? That wrongdoing is a big issue for God. And there is ramifications that come from it. Now, notice he doesn't list out the wrongdoings on what he's doing. He calls it guilty. When we do wrong, we are guilty. That's a simple definition that he's laying out before us. Well, this would be rough and bad news because every single one of us have sinned and done wrong and disobeyed God, gone our own way, looked at God's word and said, oh, it says that, but eh, forget that, I'm going to do this. We've all done that, right? This would be really bad news if we just stopped here with the progression. But this is what it continues. We find that this guilt that we have is actually overwhelming to us. David writes in Psalm 38, 4, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. Now, for some of you, I mean, we just, we just connected with you right there. Because as you sit where you're at today, you would say, that's exactly how I feel. I, I have some guilt. I have some, man, I wish I had not done that. If I could go back, I'd change that in a heartbeat. You have this overwhelming sense of failure and destruction in your life stemming from your guilt. And just like David in the Old Testament— we find that it can overwhelm you, even the best of persons. Here's the good news in this progression Isaiah 6, verse 7 it says, Now your guilt, God talking, is removed and your sins are forgiven. Your guilt is removed knowing that here what we find in God's word, that he says, look, your, your wrongdoing brings guilt. You know, that guilt can bring just an overwhelming feeling in your life, but guess what? There's this good, positive news that I will forgive your sins and remove your guilt. Meaning he's gonna say, look, not just, hey, I remove your sins, you know, you're, you're good, you're, go, you're good to go, but man, I'm gonna heap it on you and remind you of this every day of your life. No, he says, I'm gonna remove your guilt, as well. I'd like to get rid of that. Can I just pause for a second and say, believers in Jesus out there, if you're sitting here today and you, I mean, you claim Jesus as your Savior and and you, you have that testimony and that walk in life, but you still are living in the guilt of something that God has already forgiven, then there's a whole aspect of his mercy and grace that you're not experiencing. And this morning, I so want you to experience it. In fact, in a few minutes, we're going to take communion together, and our focus as we receive communion this morning is that He removes your guilt. And so it may very well be in a few minutes that when we receive communion, your job at that time, and you know what God's calling you to, is to once again just surrender before Him and trust that He's going to remove that and walk with you from here. So how does this happen would be the question number two. Well, guilt is conquered by confession. Do you know that? It's conquered by confession. We find in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and forg- will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I mean, th- this is God saying, look, I've got a set of standards. This is how I want you to live in right relationship with me. And when you, when you blow it and when you walk your own way and, and, and when you have, he calls it, and the Bible calls it, sin before me, well, guess what I want to do? I want to restore that relationship. And the way I do it is, I forgive you of your sin. I, I'll forgive you. And I, all I ask is just come to me. Confess it. Confess it. Just come to me and say, Lord, this is me. This is what I'm doing. This is what I've done. I confess it to you. Now, you're smart enough to sit there right now and go, well, he, he's God. He already knows. Yeah, he already knows but there's something about confession that's very powerful. How do we know this? Parents out there, have you ever had an encounter with your kids, and as you're talking to them, you know they've done something. And what you really want in the dialogue is to hear them say they did it. But what you're really asking is just tell me you did it. I don't care about punishment right now. I'm not thinking about the long-term effect. I'm not trying to declare that, you know, you're the, the, the worst heathen child I've ever on the face. I just want you to say you did it. Parents, are you with me? Have you ever had that encounter? And then they say that they did it. And something changes in your heart. And you go into this mode, well, now I really, I need to think about the proper punishment so I teach my kid but the, the frustration, the draw in the whole conversation, it's just tell me you did it. God, your Father in heaven, so wants us to go to him and say, God, I'm an addict. I'm dealing with this. I deal with it every single day. I need your help. God, what, what I did was wrong. It took me about two days to really figure out it was wrong. But as I look back two days ago, man, I cheated that person. I was wrong in that situation. Or whatever else, you can draw, your, you will know, fill in your own blank in your head right now. But confession conquers guilt, conquers it. Maybe for you this morning, really, your step when we go into communion is you need to do some confession. You've never confessed before God. You've never gone to God and had that conversation where, I mean, you literally said to God, God, I, I confess this. I identify this is who I am. This is what I've done I lay it before you as my heavenly Father. And we want to give you that opportunity. You can do it in your seat this morning when you're taking communion. You can use these steps as altar that we often use when you'll see people come up and they'll kneel here and they'll do some business with God. And so we invite you in just a few minutes to do that. But here's an important thing to remember this morning. Confession is an insult to God when we continue our sin rather than end our sin. When we continue instead of end it, it's an insult to God. What we're saying is, God, I would really like you to do this for me, and I know the little hoop I need to jump through for you to do it, and after I've jumped through that hoop, then God has done his forgiveness side of it, then I'm right back out and I'll just do what I want, and we'll have this interaction another time when I feel like it's appropriate, and then we'll just do the same thing. I'll jump through the hoop, you'll do your thing, I'll go out and do my thing. It's detestable is what God's word says to him. And you may think, sit here and think, man, what a demanding God. What, I mean, what kind of God really is this we're talking about? Well, put it on yourself as parents again. Do we not have the same interaction with our kids? Or did we not have the same interaction when we lived at home with our parents? These times where we knew there was some manipulation button, some little thing that if we just did it a certain way, or we know our kids already know if they could just do it a certain way— then they're going to get something from us, and then we go through the frustration of, well, now wait a second, why, why does this keep happening? Now, I've learned in, in my home that if, if I just fuss about the dishes or the clean room or, or those type of things, if I just have the, you know, I just want to fuss about it. Come on, what can't you ever da, 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 da. I've I've found that I rarely get very good results in my house. In fact, it's some of the times where I look back, you know, uh, after I've had the little, you know, frustration tirade where I've looked back and go, wow, that's like the the dumbest parenting I could have done. I just let some emotion run wild uh, with me. And so we've tried to, at my house to think of like creative different ways that we can, we can come up with, with ways to communicate. And so this week I, I decided with, to communicate on the, the cleaning the rooms and those type of things um, that I would uh, take a picture of Liam Neeson on the phone from a famous movie called Taken. And if you remember at the end of the, the little rant, he goes on with the kidnappers of his daughter. He says, I, I will look for you, I will find you, and I will kill you. Um, At the end of my little rant, which I changed the kill part to focusing on the Wi-Fi connection at the house, I said, I will look for you, I will find you, and I will disconnect you. Um, Posted it up on the door. Now, one side of it I want to say, um, my kids rolled with it very well. Um, Instead of just thinking psychotic dad and packing bags, um, they, they rolled with it very well and had a little bit of fun with it in the process. Some disconnection did happen. The next morning, Um, they they asked if something was wrong with the internet. I said it's working great for me. Um, (laughs) But man, it was good the next couple days. The the cleanliness, and I look back on that not to say, man, disobedient kids, you got to do something right. No, I look back on it more and say, you know, Tom, you you got to do something different in how you interact. But it's a reminder to us that we want to see something change. We want to see a heart change. We want behavior to change. We don't just want to say, hey, if you, know, if you just manipulate this, this magic little formula here, you're going to get what you need. It's going to pop out. You're going to run again, and then you can just do it all over again another time. No, that's an insult to our God when we continue. Here's what the word of God says, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. That means when Jesus goes to the cross to sacrifice his life for our sins, it's an insult to that sacrifice when we choose this manipulation method. And it's basically him saying, how long, how long will I let that keep Working for you. In the Old Testament, God goes to his people in the book of Jeremiah and he says, he looking at them, looking at their sacrifice, that they just kind of brought their sacrifice, then went back and lived how they want, brought their sacrifice year after year. He looked at them and he said, No more sacrifices. He says, I've had it up to here with your sacrifice. And then he shares about the new covenant in Jesus Christ that will come. That's what the book of Hebrews is talking about here, that new covenant of Jesus coming here. But he doesn't want us to keep sinning after the fact. Well, here's some help for this, uh, for you this morning. Because we don't want it to be bad news. We want this to be encouraging, empowering for you to overcome the consequences of guilt. Here's the help. Public confession is the first step towards a changed heart. It really is. Public confession. When we actually say out loud to someone else... I need to tell you right now, this is what I did. This is what I am. This is what I've been going through. This is what I've been thinking uh, in my head, and I know it's not very good. And we share that out loud publicly. I know this works because there's some times at staff meeting when uh, over the weekend I'm processing like ideas for the church and I'm thinking, man, we could launch this and then we could do this, and if we slid this leader into this spot, we could do this and that. And you know where it really de- I really decide if it's smart or not? When I verbalize it to the staff. Because as soon as it comes out of my mouth, there's so many times, like, I'm not even done dis- sharing what I wanted to share, and I'm going like, wow, this is a lame, lame idea. It sounded really good Friday and Saturday and Sunday, but today it sounds really dumb actually verbalizing it to somebody else. And then, you know, I mean, that's 1% of the time. The other 99, they're great, but uh, not true. There are some other times, though, when I'm like, when I verbalize it, um, it, it comes out sounding, sounding pretty good. There's something powerful when we'll actually say it and share it, husbands and wives. I mean, can I just ask you right now? I've been married 19 years, uh, and I understand married life. What kind of burden do you carry not sharing something you're dealing with, and the ongoing guilt and struggle of something with your spouse? your best friend, your partner, the person that, you know, you spend like every day with, what kind of burden does that bring upon your life and upon your marriage? But to confess. Now, will you throw them sideways when you confess? Well, depending on what it was, yeah, you might throw them completely sideways. But then healing begins. And I I guarantee you that more so than a boss and more so than a friend that you play golf with or, or whatever... That spouse has far more of the ability to stand by you and help you through whatever it is you're about to publicly confess. That might be your step this morning. You might need to go to somebody and just it's time to verbally confess, to say it out loud. Now, I'm not asking you now to raise your hand and come up front and share with the whole church. Um, But if the Lord's calling you, you know, we'll make space for you. But there's somebody in your life there's some mature Christian that it's time to say, this is what I'm going through. Here's a, the little words here. When you go to God, you tend to repeat. That doesn't mean God doesn't have the power and to a, the authority to bring healing to your life. But there are times where we've learned that I can kind of go to God in private and I can say a few words. And if I'm not really tracking and right with God and what, what I'm saying then it's really easy to go to God, say a few words, and then go on and repeat what I'm doing. It's also even easy in that mode to get into the thought process that we just talked about it. Well, I can get forgiveness next time I come to God, and we just hit a cycle at times. But when you go public, that brings repentance. You tend to repent because now I know I've got accountability wide open, wide open accountability. One of my uh, uh, pastors that I followed the closest enjoyed listening to his sermons, Um, and as is all all public, you can see everything on the internet, his name is Mark Driscoll, one of the largest churches on the West Coast up in uh, the Seattle area that had launched other campuses, large campuses of churches in different areas. A few books that have been out and written, and a few people that were on his staff that have written books, books that you know and you've probably seen when you're in Christian bookstores and places like that. And it wasn't too long ago now within the last year that, that he had a fall where he was. it was come to him. People came to him and they, they challenged him on things. And he eventually stood up and he publicly confessed everything before his congregation, his board, uh, church planning committee that, that he was a part of uh, as well. And he battled and fought it for a couple years. And it's only in these last nine months as I've followed his life it's only in that period that I've thought that looks like true growth, repentance. Now, granted, I'm on the west or the east coast. He's on the west coast. It's not like the guy and I. You know, I call, hey, Mark, what's going on today? I mean, we don't talk like that or anything like that. But as I follow what's going on from a distance, it seems like there's this growth and repentance and healing that I di- certainly didn't see happening in the two years when he was battling it all. Why? Because when you go public with something you tend to have to repent. You have accountability right in front of you where you have to say, "Hey, I did this." And right away you have these restoration plans and forgiveness and healing that comes from people. Here's a final thing I want to say this morning about this, and this is an important part that the goal of confession it's not just to clear your conscience. We see that in movies, right? You got to confess because you got to clear your conscience. Now, the goal of confession is a changed life. God doesn't want you to just clear your conscience and being able to feel good. That's an important step. But God wants to take that and then he wants to use you. He wants to use your changed life for what he's designed you for in the first place. And God sees everything we do. Proverbs 5.21 says it Mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. He's aware of every step you take. And he wants to use your life. He wants to use a changed life. He wants to take your guilt. He wants to get rid of it. He wants to take any sin that you're continuing to, to participate in. He wants to get rid of it. Why? Not just so you can feel good about yourself, so that's a huge part of it. But he wants to change your life. He wants to make it where you never walk down that path again. He wants to make it where you don't experience that guilt of that and that wrongdoing any longer. You don't process that and walk through that again. He wants to make your life changed and new. I think this is especially important for those of you this morning. You've been forgiven. God said, look, I forgive you. The person that you interacted with, whatever the problem was, they've forgiven you. It's over but you carry the guilt of that. And God's want to say, look, I've forgiven you, but the full life change hasn't been able to happen because you want to hold on to the guilt of that. You're not guilty anymore in my eyes, is what God says. And you have freedom. I release you to be the person I've designed you to be. That's changed life. That's changed life. When you can walk and be a new, different person because he's taken away that guilt. So here's a takeaway this morning. What do you need to do to get rid of your guilt? What is it this morning as you look back on what we just walked through and the progression we just walked through, what is it you need to give or you need to do this morning? Uh, is it this morning that you need to go before God and confess? Maybe you have very little connection with God outside of Sunday morning, praying and talking to him, and this is the morning you can do that. Maybe this morning you're like, I'm in this manipulation route. I didn't see it as manipulation, but I definitely, I go and I kind of jump through the right hoop and then I go back and I just live the same as I've always lived. And this morning, I I, I need to know that's insulting my God and I need to go beforehand. Maybe it's a public confession. Maybe there's somebody you need to go to. You can do it before you leave here. There's a lot of little private areas around the school. Just take them aside and say, I need to talk to you about something. Spouses, if it's between spouses, I think... You probably need to go home and deal with that today. And finally, understanding this morning that God's ultimate desire for you is to change your life, to make you new entirely. And maybe you desiring to hold on to your guilt has been the thing that keeps your life from changing. So we want to give you an opportunity this morning through communion. Communion is something that, we do regularly, in every church across our nation and the world, every believers in Jesus Christ, they do this remembrance. And it's remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. And without remembering what Jesus Christ did for us, there's none of this forgiveness. There's none of this, this elimination of guilt and wrongdoing in our life. On the night before Jesus' betrayal, he took a flat piece of bread much like this, and he broke it in front of his... Disciples, his closest followers, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Listen, if you're living a broken life this morning because of your wrongdoing or because of your guilt that you haven't been able to get over, do you know what God says? Jesus says, look, I I broke myself for you so that you wouldn't have to live that way. You can receive the wholeness because I took the brokenness away. In the same way, he took a cup, that was on the table in front of them he said this is my blood poured out for you do this in remembrance of me and when he said that they would know that the spilling of blood in the old testament from the animal that was the cleansing of sins it was a sin sacrifice and this morning we're reminded that Jesus was our sin sacrifice and that when we take this what we are declaring is that it's his sacrifice that covers my sin why would I ask somebody to cover my sin and yet want to go on living and claiming the consequence of it? Doesn't make any sense. This morning, you have the opportunity to release that guilt through communion. We serve an open communion, which means if you know the Lord is your Savior, we want to invite you to come. You can come two places in the front or two places in the back on these aisles. But this morning, I want to make sure you know There's no reason to go out of here this morning. There's no reason to go out and to carry your guilt with you. There's no reason to not go claim the hope that Christ brings to your life. There's no reason to go out here and and continue to be guilt-ridden or a worrier about the past or what it could bring on you. There's no reason for that. You can come right now, confess before God, and release it before him this morning. No matter who you are, you know, the, the toughest, proudest guy in here can come do this this morning because you won't find victory in your life without it. So we want to invite you to come and you can stay and linger as long as you want at the staircase up here and pray and kneel. And sometimes just getting out of your normal posture of sitting in your chair will make a huge difference in going before God, getting just in a different feel. And I invite you to do that. You can go as long as you want. The praise team, they, they can linger. They, they know how to do that. But we want you to go before God and do the business this morning. Let me pray for this. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that you bring forgiveness to our life. You You bring a releasement of the guilt that we often heap on ourselves. And so this morning, Lord, if it's only one person in this group right here that is carrying their guilt, Lord, then this one person needs to experience freedom in you this morning, the hope that we have in Christ, that we can go out of here and we're released and free in your eyes, and we don't have to carry that. Lord, if there's just one person in here that's dealing with an addiction or a a sin that they just go back to over and over and over, and they've kept it private and hidden, maybe even from their family, if it's that one person this morning who's ready to say, God, this is me, and I've got to release this into your hand to find any victory in my life. I pray, pray on that person. Lord, my feeling is there's several and many, and we just ask that your spirit would flood through here this morning. Speak to every heart, and then would you move every heart to action, we pray. In your son's name, amen. Well, the Lord's table is prepared. Would you come and receive of him this morning?